You are watching this video because you recently had a first herpes outbreak or recently tested positive for HSV-1 and or 2. Suddenly, you see yourself differently and probably not in a good light. You feel dirty, soiled, damaged, sinful, whorish, and most of all, unlovable. You wonder if you're ever going to have sex again. You wonder how you could ever tell somebody you have herpes. You're sure no one else has it, and at least no one that you would want to have sex with. You are convinced that life as you know it is over. All of these feelings are normal. The shock, the internal chaos, the overwhelming shame is normal and common response to finding out you have herpes. The diagnosis is not the end of your life. It's certainly not the end of your sex life, but it is the end of some of your innocence. Virtually everyone that you've had sex with either has herpes or has been exposed to it. Type 1, in other words, oral herpes, is incredibly common and is the vast majority of people have it. It is generally passed on through family members. Aunt Jessie's kissing Junior on the lips it's a very common way of passing on oral herpes. And if you've had a cold sore, or you know someone has a cold sore, you have herpes or they have herpes. That's HSV type 1. So all of those personal ads that claim to be disease-free and looking for the same are nonsense. They have no idea what they're talking about. And if you include HPV, which is anal warts, which virtually all the sexually active population in the world has. No one is disease-free. But that's another video. The bad news is it's possible to have herpes and never had an outbreak, so you don't know where the location of the infection is. That simply means it's harder to not pass it on to someone else. It is also possible to get type 1 or type 2 anywhere on your body. Type 1 being oral herpes, type 2 being genital herpes. Those descriptions are actually out of date and because you can get them anywhere on your body. Uh, in my practice, I often uh, get reports of people having them anally, vaginally, uh, certainly on the penis. Then uh, the most common location for gay men is in the back of their throat. So no matter how virginal you are <laughs> or have not been, it's very likely that you have one or both forms of herpes. So take a deep breath. The most important question is, why is this hitting you so hard? What, what is it about having herpes that seems so devastating and overwhelming that you're literally, some people literally are crawling up into fetal positions and going into hiding? Most people are uneducated about STDs in any meaningful way. So now you get to educate yourself and you'll be educating others in the future. It's the only way to reduce the stigma. Second is you get to face your shame about sex. Let me define shame for you. I usually define shame in, the, in differentiating it from guilt. Guilt means that you feel bad about something you've done, something that you didn't do, something you thought about doing, all of those parameters. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. And when you get to the place of shame, it's I am bad, 
I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm sick, I'm perverted, I'm worthless. Shame happens throughout childhood. A parent, instead of saying, Billy, that was a bad thing that you did, just says, bad Billy. That's shaming the child. We all have shame about sex. It's impossible to grow up in our puritanical society without downloading some degree of shame about sex. Sex is dirty, sex is bad, sex is sinful, sex needs to be controlled, it needs to be justified, excused, needs to be extinguished. Those are all the puritanical values around having sex. We play out these disagreements politically over abortion, porn, HIV, STDs, prostitution. So we've tried valiantly to legislate morality and sex in this country and continue to do so. So even when a woman who wants birth control is called a slut, that is shame. The struggle about the purpose of shame and the conflict about it being just for procreation or for recreation, pleasure, and connection is all rooted in shame. So having herpes brings all of those deeply unconscious feelings about sex being shameful to the surface. Some people have eroticized the shameful sexual feelings from a little bit to a lot, meaning that there's an overt connection in between feeling bad and the erotic feelings. Many people, and to some degree most people, have eroticized the connection in between sex and shame. That means that there's an overt connection in between when they're feeling sexual and they're tied into that shameful feeling of feeling bad. And so it can show up in their sex lives and their fantasies and their role plays and or whatever's going on in their head when they're having sex. But again, that's another video. Most of the shame about sex comes from our families and our parents in particular. We watch them around sex how they had sex, how they didn't have sex, how they interacted, whether they were affectionate towards each other. And a children's job from the moment they pop out is to make sense of all the data that they receive from their parents and the world. And so they don't have the full context of understanding that mommy and daddy are fighting. They're coming to their own conclusions about that. What did your parents tell you directly about sex? What did they tell you indirectly about sex? And what of those messages are you carrying around consciously and unconsciously in your brain? And how did they demonstrate that? Did they tell you sex was only for procreation? Or did they say it only happens in the context of a marriage? While you may or may not believe that consciously or intellectually, emotionally, that's all been downloaded in there somewhere. And again, what did their actions tell you? How did you interpret those actions? And how is that playing out in your life? No matter what they did, you came to your own interpretations about their words and actions meant. So let's come back to herpes. So herpes, because of the way it's held by society, is closely associated with shame. Hence, you are diseased, you are dirty, you are a whore. The same is true, or at least was true about HIV and HPV. Any sexually transmitted virus is considered dirty. The irony is, is that you can get HSV, herpes, and HIV through non-sexual contact. HPV is so common that that's why they're in 
encouraging kids to be vaccinated before the age of 13, because the moment they start becoming sexually active, they're being exposed to HPV. And the only way to stop that is to vaccinate them before they're sexual. Now I'd like you to do an exercise. I'd like you to take a moment, close your eyes and think of that moment when you found out you had herpes, when the doctor told you or the healthcare worker and look and see if you can figure out what that negative belief is for you about you. What is that negative belief about shame? It might be something like, I'm dirty, I'm bad, I'm vile, I'm cheap, I'm ruined, I'm soiled, etc. Stop the video for a moment, do the exercise, and then continue. For most people, this is a very painful process, but facing your truth and facing the pain that goes with it is the first step in coming to terms with having herpes. Now I want you to go look in a mirror, look yourself in the eyes and say whatever that negative belief was to yourself. Don't blink and then pay attention to what happens in your body. And just let those feelings move through. You don't need to do anything with them other than to be aware of them. And keep doing it until such time as there aren't any more feelings there, that it's just gone. And if the feelings get worse, if you find you're collapsing in some way or emotionally getting more and more upset, stop and get to a therapist. Because there's a lot more going on for you around sex and shame than what's going on with herpes and that needs to be addressed with somebody else's assistance. So do the exercise and I'll be here when you get back. Just to recap, the roots of how you feel about having herpes has everything to do with about what you downloaded from your family and your society about having sex. The gift of herpes is that you get to face this shame and hopefully work through it. It will make you stronger. It will allow for better sex and more honest communications, both sexually and otherwise in your life. We all have shame. The key is to recognize it and work through it so we can have all the joy and love in our life that we deserve. Now let's talk about your future sex life. I advocate the following approach. No sex during a breakout. Very simple. You feel a breakout coming on, you have a breakout actually happening, you're taking your acyclovir Valtrex, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but you don't have sex. Unless you're gonna have a kind of sex that isn't going to expose your partner to that, the spot that you have the outbreaks with. For instance, if you have it anally and you're going to have oral sex, that's fine. If you actually have outbreaks, be aware of that location because that is how you'll pass it on to another person is from that spot of the outbreaks. It's also really helpful to have a lot of body awareness, particularly around this site of the breakouts. If there's a tingling sensation, it probably means you're shedding or you're about to have a breakout. So that if you know that's coming on, you know to either take your medication or to not have sex. Being as open as comfortable as you are willing to be with having herpes. If you have an online profile, put it in or don't. It's entirely up to you. 
my guess is that if you put it in your profile, and I do see people who put this in their online profiles, is that you'll get less people who connect with you because they're uneducated or have their own stigma around it. But the people who do are going to be golden. Hookups. I advocated don't ask, don't tell. But if they do ask, you tell. People getting into a hookup aren't often asking about STDs in general, as far as I can tell. And with the amount of barebacking and so forth going on out there, it's sort of every man for himself. Mostly, I want you to protect yourself from all STDs and from giving them to a potential partner. If you go on a date with someone and this person seems like a potential for relationship, I advocate delaying sex. Actually getting to know them, getting to know whether you really like them, if you're really attracted to them, and getting a sense of whether they're attracted to you. And before you become sexual, in a neutral location, like standing outside of a car, some place can have a graceful exit if it goes badly, you have this conversation, you educate, you give them time to have their own response before you attempt to be sexual so that there's no betrayal, there's no dishonesty. If you get into a relationship and say, oh, I should have told you I had herpes and they get all freaked out, you've just destroyed the trust in the relationship. Many people know and they'll be very happy that you brought it up and tell you that. And so consequently, that will then change the whole connection and intimacy that goes on in between the two of you. Do not wait until you're making out, you're half naked, you're going for the condoms and going, oh, by the way, <laughs> it's really bad. It's a great way to kill the mood. And it's a really inelegant exit if somebody has to leave at that moment. And you're going to feel really, really shamed, much more so than you would in a different kind of setup. Do not set yourself up for that kind of rejection. They say no and leave, that's great. Your integrity is intact. And even though you're still horny, the key is feeling good about yourself before and after sex. Each person has a right to protect themselves however they choose to, whether it be HSV, HIV, or whatever. So it's not about you, it's about them and their choices. I personally don't see HIV and herpes in the same category. HIV requires a constant medication in order to survive. Herpes doesn't. HIV is life-threatening. HSV is not. You get to come to your own conclusions and handle it as you feel is best for you. The better you know someone, yes, the more that the rejection can hurt. And as I say, it's better to have the conversation earlier rather than later. If it's a deal breaker for them, it's better to know that up front. And I always believe it's better to be rejected for who you are than who you aren't. The two treatments for herpes are Valtrex and acyclovir. Valtrex is a once a day medication. Val uh, acyclovir is a twice a day medication. Um, some people take it every day. Some people only do it when they feel an outbreak coming on and they load. In other words, they take uh, an increased amount of the, the prescription 
like instead of taking two a day of acyclovir, you're gonna take six or eight a day for a few days in hopes of heading off the infection or the outbreak. In hopes of heading off the outbreak or stopping it altogether, minimizing it in some form. The bottom line is it's just a virus. It's not a commentary on who you are. It doesn't say anything about you as a sexual person. It's no different than getting measles or chicken pox. You got exposed, you contracted the virus, it's not lethal, and it's mostly an annoyance. You will acclimate in time and come through this just fine. Perhaps even better than you were before. For a small percentage of people who get stuck in this and can't get out of the shame and they start spiraling downward, you need to know this is not about the herpes. All it has done is open the door to the shame underneath about who they are that may or may not be sexual, but may be pervasive in how they see themselves. So if you're one of those people, get help. Or if you know of someone who like that, then encourage them to get help. So first of all, remember, you're not the only one with herpes. You will get laid again. Having sex with someone will not automatically give them herpes. So I really encourage you to do a larger assessment about shame and sexuality in general for you. There's a really wonderful book by Stanley Siegel called Your Brain on Sex that I highly recommend. It's a really fast read. Again, it's Stanley Siegel, Your Brain on Sex. Really, really superb book. It's required reading in my practice for everybody. And also on my website, you will find a form called the Sex History. It's five sections. I recommend writing about two pages per section. There's a series of questions in each one. It's a really insightful look at sex and your childhood and, and understanding how you got to where you are. And it's a nice companion piece to the Stanley Siegel book that I'm encouraging you to get. Uh, I've seen people write as many as 100 pages. I don't recommend that, but if you get inspired, maybe there's your next book but just a couple of pages per section would be just fine. I think it'll help out a lot. So be honest, both in that and in life. And thanks for spending time with me and have a great life.